0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. While the provisional results of the 2020 presidential election are disappointing to many conservatives, American voters threw roadblocks and cautions to an aggressive progressive agenda even in some of the bluest states. Illinois voters rejected a progressive, read higher, income tax. California voters defeated the union-backed plan to override the commercial property tax limitations in Proposition 13 that we discussed a few weeks ago on this podcast and they also rejected a measure to overturn the state's long-standing ban on racial preferences. Colorado voters cut their state income taxes, and state legislative voters handed stinging defeats to Eric Holder's National Democratic Redistricting Committee, a well-financed effort led by the Obama administration's attorney general that sought to secure democratic state and congressional power for the next decade by winning crucial state legislatures and gaining control of district drawing after the 2020 census. Joining me to discuss the ballot measures and broader down-ballot ramifications of the 2020 elections is Steve Malanga, George M. Yeager Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the Influence Watch podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. Before we begin, could you give us a little background about yourself and your work at Manhattan?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, Essentially, I've spent most of my time focusing on state and local issues, and particularly with an emphasis on uh, the public sector union power and how that is uh, works in terms of um, uh, the uh, uh, local budgets, uh, state debt, pension debt, the, and so forth. So the
0: the, yeah. ra- the ramifications of the elect your bosses problem that yes, yeah, in, inheres to government worker unionism. Exactly. Uh, all right. So that. So let's. You wrote about these down ballot results in the New York Post, uh, focusing on the outcomes of the ballot measures. Could you elaborate on that? On on what you what you wrote?
1: Yes. Well, one of the things that that, that sort of uh, I found interesting is that I had written a piece before the election on uh, a number of these ballot measures, particularly ones focusing on raising taxes. Um, and otherwise sort of expanding government power, mm-hmm. because uh, I've got a history now, back like 15 years or so, of looking at these ballot measures and the role in particular that public sector unions play in financing them. Yeah, and the, the not government not worker union,
0: the government worker yeah. unions, especially in California, just mostly right. because California has the most comprehensive system of government by referendum. The government worker unions are... They may not be the largest f- funder, but together they are one of the largest funders of ballot measure campaigns, for and against. Well, yes,
1: I would say when it comes to raising taxes, they are number one. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not just California because um, we had tax increases uh, on the agenda in uh, also in Arizona and in Illinois, and there are a number of uh, of other. Uh, initiatives that I looked at, but what really struck me in particular was when I wrote about them before the election. I looked at the polls and looked at their prospects, and many of these were way ahead in the polls. And I thought, well, geez, so you know, we're going to have essentially uh, we're going to have essentially uh, tax increases, um, uh, you know, uh, approved by the voters. And, and in many cases, because all of these, uh, these initiatives are essentially, you know, looking to tax someone else, meaning the business community or higher income people. And they, I mean, I mean, you saw, you
0: saw some of this, there are, there are a number of States that had tobacco taxes on the, on the, uh, on the ballot. And I believe they all passed. And that probably has something to do with the fact that a whole lot fewer people smoke now than did say 20, 30 years ago.
1: Right, exactly. So, um, But what really struck me after the election was that virtually all of these failed or, in the case of Arizona, narrowly passed. And there were a couple of other uh, agenda items that weren't really just about taxes, but they were about what I would call kind of left-leaning social justice initiatives. Mm -hmm. And so in part, what I did was I wanted to really write about how it not just that they had failed, but that the polling had failed, too, in much the same way that the presidential election, the last two presidential elections, the polls have been egregiously off. The polls were off here, and then partially, what I what I speculated was that um, it isn't just that people uh, have become reluctant to admit which candidate right. <laughs> they're uh, they're interested in supporting, but there are certain initiatives being pushed by unions and the left that essentially, I think voters you know were we're, were not being um, uh, forth uh, forthright about w- what they planned to uh, to support well and, 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 in, this, and in addition yeah. and
0: in addition to any possible you know shy conservative factor you also have uh, questions about whether the electorate is modeled correctly you have questions yes, right, about exactly. if you know the old the old way, that pollsters used to, because because the problem is, you know, you can weight your demographics right, but if there are hetero, if the inside the demographics, the, uh, the demographic itself is a hetero, is heterogeneous. If you know different people have different views within a demographic, just weighting the demographic differently isn't going to fix any systemic sampling error. So. Again, why were the polls good in 2012? Well, it's because people pretty much voted voted along demographic lines more than they voted you know differently within demographics. But in 2016 and 2020, you know, just thinking of the of the of the white the white American population, you know, then you had a serious breakdown differential voting patterns based on education. And now in this most recent election in 2020, uh you you had Uh, you know, heterogeneous ethnic minority populations. You had, you know, if look, you know, the exit poll probably isn't going to be reliable just because of all the changes to electoral procedures that were caused by the pandemic. But if you look at, you know, the the people who look at these things have looked at the, uh, the county level data, the precinct level data, and it looks highly likely that president Trump, despite the fact that he appears to have lost won the highest level of votes, uh, from non-white Americans for Republicans since 1960. And that takes all, and that makes the, the usual pollster way of fixing sampling error, uh, which is just to, you know, up the weight of the of the responses of the people from this demographic so that it matches what we think this demographic is going to be in the electorate. It just makes it not work because you, you could be upping, you know, if, if the only, uh, let's say the only white Americans you're getting on the phone are college educated. If they vote differently than the white population as a whole, you know, merely increasing their weight or decreasing their weight is going to cause all sorts is not going to get you closer to a true look at the electorate.
1: Exactly. There are any number of reasons why this, you, you could have a sampling error here. And, and some of it, you know, to some, some some people have even accused some of the pollsters of intentionally, you know, messing with the sampling just to give the illusion that something might be passing. But whatever the explanations are, it, it, what happened is with many of these ballot initiatives, the polls were even further off than they were in the presidential election to the point where lots of people were shocked. I mean, people thought that the Illinois progressive income tax was a slam dunk. I mean, yeah. The the, the um, I saw polls suggesting that two thirds of voters said they were going to vote for it. The um, The lowest approval it got uh, in any poll, was fifty five percent. So it looked like a so that, so that means and
0: and and that means yeah. now there's, you know, ballot measure pollsters will sometimes say, well, we just, you know, you should kind of steal your mind for all the undecideds to vote no. That means that they even if you applied that heuristic, they were still wrong by, I think, ten points.
1: Right. Well, I would say, I mean, I would say this in a couple of these uh, in a couple of these initiatives. Essentially, all of the undecideds had to vote. No, and they did that, and I think that's <laughs> kind of unlikely, right? Yeah, right, right. No, you're, <laughs> right. you're still, you know, yeah. P- yeah.
0: people are still making are either making a different decision in the ballot box, lying to the pollster, or the pollster sampling yeah. is just so wrong as to be mal- as to be, you know, it's not just missing for, you know, it's not just, you know, you're accidentally wrong. It's like, I mean, if you try to follow those polls, you're you're just going to be wrong, and you should know that you're going to be wrong. <laughs>
1: Well, but here's the the implication. There's one of the reasons I want to write about this is the implication of this goes beyond just you know left versus right. Uh, And first of all, these ballot questions have become incredibly expensive campaigns. As I said in my uh, pre-election piece, it was estimated now that pro and con groups had raised. A billion dollars nationally to fight these campaigns. think about that. that sounds that enormous. sounds about right. i know
0: i I looked yeah. up the other day in yeah. uh, in Illinois two two living persons, one on each side governor Governor J.B. Pritzker for the tax increase, uh, hedge fund manager Ken Griffin against the tax increase, each personally spent fifty million dollars. Exactly that uh, entire the, campaign on, the, you know, Illinois, on yeah. the Illinois tax increase.
1: That that entire campaign was 120 million dollars, and they they, you know, but but in California, for instance, you had the teachers unions um, uh, and uh, and unions like SEIU spending 15 million, you know. I mean the the um, well, and, and and even
0: and, and the SEIU has a like every couple years they run a ballot measure. Uh, To try to increase regulations on hospitals, and it's not even to get the you know it always fails, Uh, but they they run the measure to just try to bleed the hospitals of money that they can't then use to fight union organizing,
1: and they did that this year. And they did yeah, and they did and they they did that this year, the dialysis centers. Yep, and 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 they um, that was actually they spent about ten million dollars, but they forced the dialysis centers to spend almost a hundred million yeah. to try to defeat this right so, it, yeah, it's it's, the, get, it's right. the it's the right. it's the
0: it's the Verdun strategy of political spending you know we're gonna Right. We're, but here's the
1: thing the reason it's the, the, one of the things that's significant now is if these polls have become so unreliable uh, generally uh, you know the unions and and, and these uh, uh, these groups that that um, run these initiatives they do some preliminary polling to see, you know, how they think the question will, will work before they want to invest. Because, they're, I mean, they're really throwing away huge chunks of money now. And um, typically when they go ahead, they make, because the investment isn't just in, you know, uh, lobbying for the issue, uh, but it's also just in getting the initiative on the ballot in the first yeah, place. The, which the, the sig- if if in it's
0: initiate mind. if it's an initiated yeah. measure, you have to collect yeah. signatures. If it's a exactly. legislative yeah. referral, well, you have to get your legislators elected, um, yeah. and then, and then, of course, the TV ad wars that all these uh, big-ticket ballot measures tend to bring.
1: Right. So it does raise a question now, if the polling has become so unreliable, um, uh, including that preliminary polling. Uh, uh, and I some of these issues, because I had written about them even back in the spring during uh, uh, during the uh, when the pandemic first began, uh, they were even further ahead in the spring. Um, so it does raise a question about um uh, you know whether some of these groups are going to back off or be forced to back off by their membership because the other issue here which i've written about in the past is that uh, the um, the leadership of a lot of these public sector unions in particular is far more to the left than the uh, the membership itself Even i i, w- I would ar-
0: i would argue that the leadership membership uh divergence in private sector unions is even bigger than the one in public sector unions, but public sector unions start out and are further to the left than private sector unions.
1: Right. But even so, because the, the uh, I mean, to give you an example, I mean, I wrote a piece, this is quite a number of years ago for the Wall Street Journal, probably eight or nine years ago, where I looked at the giving patterns of, the, of um, unions like the teachers unions, uh, the SEIU, and clearly, like, 95% of the money that they, they give, and this is... Um, in, the, in, the case
0: uh, of, in the case of NEA, uh, AFT, and SCIU, yeah. probably more than 95. Yeah. Uh, it goes to, you know, it goes to
1: Democrats. Um, and, and also the money they commit for other types of things like, uh, 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 you know, on the ground. Ta- yeah, the, the, so the, the, yeah, the
0: general yeah. fund contributions to think tanks, to yeah. lobbying groups, exactly. to pressure, to street pressure groups, that sort of thing. But here's
1: the thing. It's hard because uh, 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 polls, uh, pollsters generally don't poll for this. But I went back and looked at the general, uh, 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 the general survey, the general social survey, which actually uh, uh, periodically uh, asked uh, people in different professions how they had voted in presidential elections over the years, mm-hmm. and even among teachers, somewhere between. 35 to 45% of grade school teachers over the years have voted Republican in presidential elections. Now that's not a majority by any means, but if all of your money, right, is going in one right. direction and a third to f- even like just 4 out of 10 of your Right. and and this and this was and this was, right.
0: a, and this was a pre-Janus era when Yeah. teachers in say the state of California, the state of New York, the state of Maryland, the district of Columbia, could be forced by state law to pay into public sector unions in order to keep teaching.
1: Well, they were being forced. And actually it was because of, that was one of the things that sort of motivated this. And there were, you know, there were a couple of cases that actually led up to the Janus case being filed, uh, where this, the Supreme court had said, for instance, it was a Washington state case where they knocked down, uh, some contributions that, uh, that the Washington State as SEIU had forced members to make.
0: Well, they, they, there was the, the there was the yeah. Knox v. SEIU. And that's exactly that it was I'm the right. Knox v. SEIU yeah. case yeah. in California where Cali- they levied yeah. they levied the surcharge for the ballot measure fund that forced all the people who normally opted out of the political share of their dues had to give the union an interest free loan. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And then you, and then, and then you went back and, and right. Um, But there was also the one, actually the one I was thinking of the Washington education association, um, which had basically, uh, uh, you know, simply said it was going to use its union dues for political purposes, uh, uh, regardless of what the members thought. And, you know, Eventually, actually, a a judge in in Washington state had said, uh, no, you have to actually ask them for permission to do this. And this was a case that went all the way to the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court. And eventually, they lost in 2007. But the point here is that there has been, you know, if you look closely, uh, uh, there has been over the years indication that, uh, you know, even a, a liberal union you know union let's say full of public school teachers mm-hmm. has a significant enough number of members right, who, who are don't who vote are that way <laughs> yeah exactly so um so so that was one of the things that that interests me and, and and as the um as the cost of these campaigns have grown these failures these defeats aren't just kind of uh, i guess you say victory for taxpayers but i i wonder to what extent we're going to have to watch they send a message to some of these unions that they're really, really now squandering, essentially. I mean, let's, and,
0: and, and let's just, mm-hmm. again, focusing on California, because it's such the, you know, it is the prototypical blue state, you know, the, the big ticket ideological ballot measures, we had the uh, repeal of the commercial property tax limitations, right. the, that right, failed. Okay. That was, right, Prop 15, uh, that failed. The, yeah, the repeal of the state's ban on racial preferences, that failed. Yes. Uh, and it wasn't even particularly close. Uh, local rent control that failed, uh, New York style bail reform that failed, right. and then uh, the the measure that was pushed by the uh, the rideshare companies to right. overturn the portion of AB five that applied to them, that being the labor union back law that would require them to to consider rideshare drivers uh, among other independent contractors as um, as legal employees uh that that measure to 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 limit the application of a b five passed and it passed by a fairly substantial margin um so well, they may have had a good day a good night in other places when it came to california ballot measures it looks like big labor and the left did pretty poorly
1: well, exactly and you know again uh, the unions participated in you know even in, even in cases where they don't have. A direct financial interest as in raising taxes because most of the tax increases that they push are increases which eventually grow the size of government and and the size of the unions but even in cases where they kind of just are being sympathetic if you will to the to the rest of the left coalition uh, they took a beating this time around and they put money behind those uh, you know those measures too and they took a beating
0: I'm, a, so, and here, here's one uh it hasn't been decided yet it's within a point you know it's within a point so they may have to do a re-canvas. but the Montana Federation of Public Employees uh spent heavily to oppose a uh repeat a statewide measure that would limit the ability of local author- local governments to enact gun control measures you know th- this is a You know, it isn't an issue that directly impacts their pocketbook, but it's so in line with the left coalition that they were uh, kind of the big big player in that campaign. Uh, And again, results are provisional. The Associated Press has not called the race, but the supporters of that measure are currently ahead.
1: Exactly. And another one that actually hasn't gotten a lot of publicity, but was a real shocker to people. And uh, but it went under the radar screen. I think because it was in Colorado. Was you know that there was a um, a, uh, a tax cut uh, a tax cutting initiative that was uh, pushed by a, con- a conservative group out there that actually won fairly easily. It uh, lowered
0: the uh, the yeah lowered the lowered the income tax rate by like 008 exactly. percent or know, something.
1: Yeah, and and that measure, um, you know, that didn't generate nearly the the kind of spending that you see in california um, uh, and we sometimes forget that you know Cal- uh, that colorado is one of those tabor states they they passed the Tabor initiative initiative that did the then, the, the, yeah. the
0: taxpayer bill of rights exactly it's kind of it's kind of yeah. like prop 13 but it functions yes, slightly differently right it's a version yeah yeah it's,
1: exactly um, so, and that one was another big shocker uh, uh to folks but um you know colorado isn't really that I guess on their on the national door when it comes to some of these ballot initiatives although they um, they certainly have their share of um, of uh, you know interesting initiatives but but in any case that one also was a um, a surprising you know that the, the polls there were kind of um, mixed for a long time too mm-hmm. so um, you know that was another surprise to people and um, uh, I mean I I remember someone asking me before when I was on the radio uh, they and they, they said to me, you know, isn't there anything about lowering taxes out there? And I said, well, there's a little bit, but most of the momentum is in the other direction because, frankly, the public sector unions have an awful lot of money to spend and they are spending that money, you know, uh, backing these kinds of initiatives. Mm-hmm.
0: Anything you'd like to add uh, about your work at Manhattan? Any big projects, upcoming releases, efforts, so on. <laughs> well,
1: these these days, it's a you know it's a a moving target out there because uh, things are changing so rapidly. Um, but frankly, I, I think you know a couple of things with the um, the potential for a Biden administration at this particular point. Um, I think that um, the last time we had a Democratic administration. Uh, there was uh, there were a series of elections, which were essentially revolts in the states.
0: Mm. And,
1: um, uh, you know, we, we had this huge swing towards Republican legislatures and tax cutting initiatives. We had a kind of reaction against the, uh, you know, the Obama tax increases at the local level. We we went to, uh, uh, I think it was at one point, 33 Republican governors. I think there were 18, what we call trifectas at that yeah, time.
0: Now Right. in many of the in many of those cases those try you know not not all of them obviously like Wisconsin as a as a democratic governor now Michigan as a democratic governor but many of those trifectas still hold uh and still held uh even you know even afterwards they were com- kind of completing the transition of some states like uh um uh um, Arkansas I think yeah, Arkansas had a Democratic governor when Obama was elected. Um, it doesn't anymore. Um, Wyoming had a Democratic governor when Obama was elected. It doesn't anymore. Um, so some of those some of those trifectas that were won still hold. And uh, again, as as you mentioned earlier, you know the Democrats, Eric Holder, uh, and the National Democratic Redistricting Committee had made a major push backed. Uh, you know, with the personal blessing of former President Obama, to try to get some of these state legislatures back, and in as the results are rolling in across the states, it looks like the big state legislative winners are the Republicans in New Hampshire, who picked up a trifecta.
1: Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we're going to see more of that, and um, uh, you know, I think the battles. I, I mean, as you know the country really has been at the state level i find the state level so interesting not just because it's it's really my um, <laughs> my purview but but because essentially the states are in, uh, on taxation and on economic development and economic extent, incentives i think in some ways further apart than they've ever been I mean the gap between mm-hmm. them you know so that the choices for instance that individuals might make and especially the choices that Businesses make about where to locate have never been starker. I think
0: really, the, the, yeah, the the differences between a California and a Florida today versus where they may have been in 1990.
1: Exactly, uh, and and so I'm you know I think that that's going to be uh, really accentuated the next couple of uh, years. I mean, in particular, the thing about the uh, Obama administration, of course, is that they were a uh, really a regulating administration for moving even beyond the issue of of their, their legislation like dodd frank or mm-hmm. obviously the affordable care act even beyond that just by the power of this the pen you know they they put in place so many restrictive measures in a lot of businesses that's really when that we really began to see this movement for instance out of california because mm-hmm. they're under pressure nationally and they're they were under pressure at yeah, the they, state they, they, level. they were so under we pressure
0: think. at the state level they could to, they could tolerate it but then when the yeah. When the foot comes down from Washington, it becomes too much to bear.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm going to be very interested in seeing that and writing about that over the next four years, without a doubt.
0: All right. Well, Steve, uh, thank you for joining us. That is our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And for those who have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.